Welcome to this episode of the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology that fits their needs. In this episode, I'll be talking with Matthew Bird, the president and founder of Nexus 3D Consulting and founder slash host of the Reality Capture Network about reality capture and how it can benefit firms in the AEC industry. Before we jump in, a word from our sponsor for this episode, Shingle. Get back in the office now. And sorry, we're not going to have a fully remote policy. You've got to come in. Wait just a second. If you've ever thought, I kind of like working full-time remote. I know what I'm doing. I work independently. All my work is on my computer. Why do I need to drive to the office every day? If only there was some sort of alternative. Surprise, you're going to want to know about a new technology company called Shingle. Are you an engineer that has an interest in entrepreneurship? Have you ever thought about stepping out on your own as an engineer or making some additional income with your engineering skills? Are you tired of moving and uprooting your life for a new job or battling an unnecessary commute? Would you like to be an engineer on your own terms? Shingle is an online marketplace where PEs can find and remotely engage with AE firms in the Shingle network that need their services as a consultant. The platform is specifically built for PEs and CAD professionals in architecture and engineering that want to move in the direction of entrepreneurship, work as much as they want, and have the freedom to work where they choose. Shingle wants the consultants to succeed and provides resources to get their companies up and running quickly. Get started on your road to entrepreneurship and engineering by going to shingleit.com. Again, that's shingleit.com and join the community today. Shingle, we work differently. Matthew, great to have you here with us today. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do on a daily basis? Hey, Nick, thanks for having me. Yeah, my name's Matthew, and uh, I kind of do two different things. So one, I'm the president of Nexus 3D Consulting, which is a land surveying and reality capture company. So my daily basis in that role and capacity is uh, dealing with clients, managing projects, proposing new projects for, you know, survey, laser scanning, and BIM, and managing the overall organization. We're a small base business based out of the West Coast, but we work uh, across the states. The second portion of what I do on a daily basis is I focus on trying to educate people. Being that we use a lot of new technologies, we've realized over the years that a lot of people don't know about the new tools and technologies that are available, how they're used on jobs. So we've put a big focus with the Reality Capture Network that we started, which is podcast and conference on trying to educate people on what technologies are available, how they can be used, what the benefits are. So I really am kind of, you know, between actual projects and then helping push the industry forward through education. You've got that practical side of running a business and then applying that to RCN, Reality Capture Network, where you're trying to educate people. So let's focus on on that kind of piece of the pie right now. Can you talk to us a little bit more in detail about the Reality Capture Network and what you guys are focusing on? Kind of the short story with RCN, uh, again, it started as a podcast because over the years, anybody who's been dealing with these new technologies, they know that the way that firms started using it was kind of a one-on-one basis where somebody who had a scanner called up a 
an architect or an engineer or a construction company and said, hey, have you guys heard of laser scanning yet? Usually the answer was either no or yeah, we've heard of it, but we really don't know much about it. And you kind of set up this one-on-one -on -one conversation trying to educate and bring awareness to the technology. And about two or three years ago, we decided to start a podcast called the Reality Capture Network because we wanted to take that idea of educating on a one-on-one -on -one basis and be able to record it and share that information with, you know, a larger community through social media. So it started as a awareness building tool, really, in educating the industry through conversations. But as we started building that and the community started growing, we also decided to hold an in-person conference because there's a lot of power in building real relationships with people that are in the industry who, when you actually have a need, instead of having to go do the research, you're building these relationships through a real physical community. You can call on people. You can build those relationships. So it's growing from just a podcast to a community of anybody that's focused on these new technologies. And we have an online education center that is going to be a big focus for us moving forward as well, where there's not a lot of good online resources that you can go to when you want to learn about scanners and drones and point clouds and workflows. And, and so we have this vision of building an online education center that people who are looking for these tools can visit and find information, find videos, find, you know, courses to learn how to do some of them. So that's kind of the overall vision of where we are and, and some of where we're headed. That's really similar, right? To how, the AEC Tech Podcast was born out of, right? This need for, hey, I know there's a better way to do this, although I may not know how to do it. I just need to find the right people to teach me or to do it for me, right? Exactly. And we're just seeing through just social and all the tools that have kind of been made available to the industry, right? Because you go from these traditional, very much one-on-one, -on -one, right? Cold calling to basically what become media companies to educate the masses and get that message out there to help more people faster, which is great to see, right? Because the industry is definitely in need of education in, in all facets. Exactly. And part of my vision with uh, Reality Capture Network really is for it to be its own community. You know, a lot of people um, use the podcast or use the social as a selling tool. And I make a very clear distinction of like, I'm not trying to sell my own services through RCN. I want it to be its own thing. We try to bring together other professionals that even do what we do because there's really a power in collaboration when we see some of the struggles in the industry are you know, if a company on the West Coast needs laser scanning, but they don't know who to use, they only found this company online that's based on the East Coast. Well, you know, they have to deal with travel and expenses. And ultimately, what we want to see in the long term is through the education, through the awareness building, and through the community that's being built, people can find and collaborate easier through the relationships that are being built through this community. You're bringing up a couple of great points, right? Because Many times in our industry, because everything is so like location-based, who you might think of as your competitors can really be your best allies, particularly if they're not playing in your own backyard, right? So that example of East Coast versus West Coast company, I mean, you guys could be referring business back and forth. You could be supporting each other, right? Through knowledge sharing. And when it comes down to it, right, you may just never compete in each other's backyard. So like, why waste that opportunity? And again, you know, come from the engineering side, right? The best way to sell is to educate. So you don't even need to push your products or services because if you just focus on what's best for the end user and for the customer, they may be so inclined to come to you regardless. 
that's a point that a lot of companies need to focus on. You know, when we see a lot of companies try to sell so hard. And I think that idea of educating and actually trying to provide true value in the content that you're sharing as even in a marketing division of a company is that education piece goes a lot further than selling. Nobody wants to be sold. And you genuinely find that your clients respond better because you're actually giving them information that they need as opposed to trying to sell things that they don't. And there's nothing to be taken away from like selling because that's a necessary skill. But then being able to come educate through podcasts, LinkedIn, right? Other platforms of social media is awesome because then you get that reach and then you may figure out one day that somebody has been following your content, never responding, right? But then they just reach out. Hey, I need X, Y, and Z of your services. And there you go, right? And that's another advantage is when you move away from just that kind of hard selling approach to this, this education, you may get more benefits than you kind of anticipated, but let's talk a little bit more about the namesake, right? Reality Capture Network. What exactly is Reality Capture? Reality Capture is a term that's been thrown around for a few years. You know, I don't really know who started it or where it came from, but the idea when people say Reality Capture now is the idea of digitizing a job site or a mix of tools or technologies that are used to collect information from a job site. So reality capture doesn't specifically just mean laser scanners or just mean drones. I think it's more that overall term uh, and mix of technologies to help bring information from the site. So 360 cameras could be in that mix, laser scanners, drones, really all of those tools that help collect and digitize real world assets or project sites. The way I like to either like use it or describe it to other AEC professionals, right, is there just sensors is a broad term to just describe a tool. And that tool is just a tool in your tool belt to help you do your job better, right? So whether you're an architect that's looking to just get a basic layout so you can throw it into CAD or an engineer looking to do a site investigation with a 360 camera, they're just tools in your tool belt that are armed to help you do your job better. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think the part that becomes important, which is one of the things that we're hoping to build out more actual training material for in our education center on RCN is the one of the problems that exists today within reality capture is that there are so many different tools and technologies and people don't know which ones to use when and you know, there's 20 different options and they all have different price points, different speeds, different accuracies. And it's often that a firm, when they first are learning about all these technologies, they get sold on one that maybe isn't the best one for them, but they didn't really even know that the other ones existed. And so I think we need more information out there on like the matrixes of what are all the hardware, you know, tools? You see people wearing like the scanner backpacks, right? We've got one of those and we've got the terrestrial scanner and we've got handheld scanners and, but they all do different things. And so I think it's important for people to figure out what it is that they do now and then what tool helps them improve that process and still meet the accuracy requirements they're going for. Or, cause like you just mentioned, if an architect's trying to go out and do a floor plan, well, the accuracy need of that floor plan is probably different than a structural engineer who's assessing a bridge or we got to put those puzzles together of how do we meet the goals for that type of project. And talking to and educating people, you find what their kind of needs are through their basically a discovery process, right? 
And oftentimes, and I say to my own from all the time, sometimes the best tool is just something that's very simple to do something better than you do it already, right? Yep. So we've adopted software that takes our usual process of taking a bunch of photos in an unorganized fashion and throwing them on a server to never be looked at again, to being able to just sort those same 2D photos on a plan, right? It's simple, but that's really the first step that we needed. And what's the most basic form of reality capture, right? A pen and paper. It just so happens that that's been around forever and that's just the industry standard. Yeah, exactly. No, and I love that example of the pictures. That's one of those first levels of improvement of like, historically people go out and take hundreds or thousands of pictures, but then you get back and you have this folder and you're browsing through them and you're like, well, I can see there's this crack on this concrete, but where in the overall building or in the overall project was that picture taken from, you know? (laughs) And one of those easy levels up is like what you just mentioned with something, placing it on a 2D or moving to just a 360 camera. Like the technologies are improving and there's very entry level options all the way up to having actual scanned data that shows the crack, you know, you can measure however detailed you want to get. Exactly. And What we found is a lot of the times, like as a firm, you just rely on a process that you maybe didn't know about. In our case, right, it was relying on this one inspector, right? Because they're fine to take all their 2D photos and throw it in a folder because they understand the nuance, the context, the location, and all of those things that our new solution helps provide because they were the one that did the inspection, right? But now you're, I like to call it, getting the inspection out of the mind's eye of the inspector and then making it visible and useful by everybody else, right? And frankly, like a lot of these entry-level options don't cost a lot of money. And that's the beauty is because you can slowly start to upgrade your stable and do some real good for your company. That's a good point as well with kind of the first level option, you're always looking to increase. I mean, this would be, I guess, part of where just the idea of companies' culture being willing to focus on innovation is, okay, what's the first thing we're doing now that can be improved? If you bring in and adopt that mindset of innovation, then you'll start by saying, okay, we already take pictures. Here's a software that'll help us sort those. Then you can go to the next step of, okay, how do we make that even better? Maybe it is bringing in 360 photos. Okay, now we like this idea that we can see everything. We can walk through the site with these 360 photos, but we're still doing 2D drawings. Well, the next step would be, how do we start creating 3D as builds? Like it lets you take it one step at a time and figure out, what level you really do need to take it at. You know, for a lot of companies, that first level is going to be something that they want to stick at and use forever. Maybe they don't need to move up from there. Just going back to the case of this is the industry we're in, right? It's very simple. And it, in terms of innovation and technology, tends to lag behind general construction. You may never see 3D models or 3D as built as an industry standard, right? And that's okay, just because that's where the industry's at. But like, as you said before, sometimes people get sold on the idea of, hey, this technology or this shiny object looks so cool without understanding kind of what their needs are first. I think that what we'll see over the next several years is that certain industries and certain project types, there will be standardizations. There will be requirements for, you know, 3D and for BIM and for, you know, scanning and even this idea of digital twins. You know, there are entire organizations who are looking at creating digital twins of their assets, of their buildings, of their warehouses, of the airports, of the hospitals. And 
in order for those to continue to live on and be valuable, then every time they do a, a project, that data needs to be in 3D so that it can update the overall model. And it comes back to that same idea of like how you pick your tool. Not every industry needs to go to that as the standard. There are still a lot of use cases that don't need it. But I think that we're going to see a lot of these tools become necessary in order to work on certain types of jobs in the future. And that's just, you know, it's something that we're kind of on this curve, I think, where historically, you know, several years ago, when I first got started, nobody was requiring laser scanning on a job or requiring that you scan and create a model before design starts. Today, there are certain projects that that is the requirement. It is step one of this hospital renovation is that a laser scan happens and the point cloud gets turned into an as-built BIM model and the BIM model goes into the design teams to start their coordination process and the renovation. There's certain jobs that like that is now step one. It's not an option anymore. Historically, that wasn't there. We're now seeing it adopted in complex projects and certain large jobs. And I think over time, as the tools are becoming cheaper and easier to use, that the easier those tools become to use, the more volume of project types that we'll see it be implemented on because the ROI and the, and the use cases are, are growing. And let's talk about that requirement for a little bit, right? Because so much of what becomes standard or what is adopted in AEC really relies on what does the person who is paying the bills want? So in that case, it's a lot of times it's owners, right? We got to do what the owners are requiring. So are you seeing this push of right adoption of certain reality capture technologies as standard from owners, owners, reps, GCs? Like what is the mix that you're seeing? I think it is a mix. I think there are certain owners who have found the value that are making it requirements within certain facilities and such. But then there's also times that maybe the owners aren't the ones who understand the technology enough. And yet the GCs or somebody that have started using it on their projects understand it and they know, hey, this has helped us in the past avoid issues and improve certain processes. So we're requiring it, you know, from XYZ. I think it's still kind of the Wild West in that it depends on who within a project or in a sphere of this project, whether it is the owner, GC, the architect, it comes from everybody. Sometimes it's not any of them. Sometimes it's the HVAC guy who used it one time and it improved his process because this, you know, certain things he had to avoid. A lot of the trades themselves will do it because it helps their process, but sometimes it's the overall job. Going back to the trades, it's right. It's the, the boots on the ground actually doing the work, right? So they're the ones that have to end up dealing with, right? If a if a BIM model is not coordinated correctly, like guess what, right? It's that plumber or that electrician or that HVAC tech who's the one who has to go and actually reroute or make things right. But this concept of the Wild West, I love it in terms of construction technology. You actually had a, a great post the other day, right? Where it's it was talking about the generation that's coming into the field, right? And how much opportunity they have to be catalysts and game changers within the organizations they're going to be in. Could you speak to that group of people, right? Like, where is this opportunity with, you know, construction technology, reality capture going to develop a specific skill set that'll really kind of help people hit the ground running once they start entering the workforce? It's an interesting point of conversation where all of these technologies, laser scanners, drones, point clouds, BIM, they're all becoming of high interest to a lot of industries. 
yet there's not a lot of good places to go learn about them and become an expert in them. Most of it is from on-the-job experience. I think there's certain colleges, and I'm talking with several right now, that are looking at trying to put certain programs in place to educate on certain aspects of what we do. But even then, like if there's certain colleges that touch on laser scanning, you get this much information. You understand that it exists and maybe you play with one for a little bit in your course or something, but there's nobody really building up this next workforce of, you know, this digital transformation. And so I do talk about this a lot where it's like, there's a lot of people out there that don't really know what they want to do for a career and they don't want to go to college or become a doctor or a, and this technology is so valuable to so many industries. I try to encourage people like, look, if you really don't know what you want to do, go find a survey firm and and become an entry-level scanning technician and get your feet wet with this digitizing of environments. Or if you're at home and you're doing research, look into virtual reality and, and immersive environment simulations. I think over the next five, 10, 15 years, we're going to be looking at the fact that these technologies and immersive training and digital twins are going to be everywhere. And because there's not a huge workforce now, people who get into it now are going to be the leaders of it in the next 10 years. There's a big need there for continued push as far as education goes. To the audience, right? Whether you're right in school now and maybe not sure where in the field you want to land, right? Or if you're currently in the business and are looking for a change of pace, right? Just understand that these opportunities are out here. Matthew and the team, right? They're providing sources of education for you to kind of get started. But let's delve a little more deeper into like the specifics and the details, right? So we kind of talked about reality capture at a high level, what it is. Could you talk more about these projects or places where reality capture really shines, right? I've got a couple of ideas in mind, right? But we want to hear it from the experts. Like what types of projects is RC really shining on? There's so many um, and across different industries. A few that come to mind off the top of my head would be above ceiling. And I mentioned hospitals a little while ago. That's been one that's been a really big push for reality capture because if a hospital's trying to run new piping systems above ceiling and it's super compact, like there's so many mechanical systems and stuff that you can't just start running pipe. You really need to know what's up there. And scanning lets you capture all of that in 3D, which helps the design process move forward with creating that existing model of what's there now and then starting the new design if you're removing certain pipes or you're putting new ones in. So, I mean, above ceiling projects have been a long adopter of it. Really, every industrial facility, the more complex your building or your facility, the more valuable reality capture is. You know, so oil and gas facilities and refineries have been one of the first, you know, industries to use laser scanning. And the value has been there since day one, even back when it was older and slower and more expensive. But now you're seeing it adopted even more so because it's becoming cheaper and faster. So complex facilities, food processing facilities, shipping facilities, warehouses that are building in automation systems for sorting. And there's just applications everywhere. Bringing it back to like, you know, civil engineering, right? Let's take that hospital or industrial space. This is just me drawing from my experience, right? Say you're as the structural engineer, no plans, no drawings, but you can get 
like laser scan or some other form of reality capture done at your site, right? Now you go from having to hand measure every single beam, column, connection to being able to get, let's just even start with a very simple floor plan. Sure, you may need to go spot check a couple of things for your comfort, right? But it's really all about just speeding up the process and delivering more value to you and your clients, right? So, and I like to talk about these specific examples for kind of the engineers and the whole network out there because sometimes we talk about in at a wide level, right? But we like to drill down on, on those specifics. And speaking of which, let's talk about two types of RC that are common, terrestrial laser scanning and unmanned aerial vehicles, right? So UAVs, drones, right? We know about those. What are the kind of the differences between the two use cases, et cetera, where you might tell a firm, hey, this might be better for your application or this other technology might be better? Well, laser scanning, you know, typically it's done from a tripod. That's the most popular terrestrial laser scanning. And there's some mobile types where they're like backpacks or handhelds and you can walk with them. But overall, they're all line of sight based technologies. So they're measuring from wherever that unit sits. So those are typically more precise than aerial. First thing that comes in is how accurate of data are you looking for? Those are one of the first questions we bring up about when we're looking at a new project. But drones typically have been for doing more like overall sites. So if we're approaching a building and there's parking lots and there's rooftop and there's, we'll use the drones or the UAVs, whether photogrammetry or LIDAR, to map out the overall site where we've got all that parking and stuff. Cause instead of us having to take a tripod and, you know, do dozens or hundreds of setups just to capture the exterior site area, the drone is a much faster process. It is a little less accurate than conventional, you know, scanning. So accuracy is one thing that we talk about. And then just depending on how big of a site it is, those are two things to consider, but that becomes one of the cool things about all these technologies as well, though, is you can mix them. So a lot of times if we do need an exterior of site and we need the inside of the building, then we'll use survey control and we'll do drone on the exterior and we'll do laser scanning on the interior. There are some drones that have the ability to scan and, and come inside of buildings, but typically the drones are really reserved for exterior so, you know, if you're doing a floor plan of the interior of an office space, you would never really approach that with a, a drone. And we're seeing a couple of common themes here, right? Like it's all about understanding your specific use case to understand what technology is best, right? Because for some instances, right? And I have a couple of, of my own where the accuracy of a drone flyover is perfect, right? Yep. There may not be need for taking at terrestrial laser scanning and going point to point because for the accuracy it provides, let's just say the trade-off of time just isn't required as part of this project. And I, I get it that you guys see that a lot where it's goes back to education, right? Where you guys are trying to understand what your client needs before you even kind of get into what the tools are being used. Yeah. And I'll give a quick example, like for the exterior of a building. You could use a drone and you could fly the overall exterior of a building and create a photogrammetry mesh, or you could fly aerial LIDAR and create exterior, you know, building point cloud, or you can go around with a terrestrial scanner and scan the exterior of the building and you're still going to get a point cloud. You can get a point cloud with all three. However, the drone data is not going to be as accurate as the terrestrial data. But again, 
it all comes to the use case. Because if you just tell somebody, can you create a 3D scan of the exterior of my building? They'll say yes. But if you don't tell them how accurate you need the data to be, you might have something that's within two inches of accuracy and you might have something that's an eighth of an inch. Now, what's the use case? Are you just looking at where the building sits? Are you looking at overall height of the building? And one of the use cases we've seen, are you trying to take that building facade and manufacture prefabricated panels that you're going to install the outside and you need super precise measurements? That's an example of like, you could use three different tools to capture the outside of that building, but you have a very widespread difference in the accuracy. So it, it all comes down to that use case. And if you're someone asking for this to be done, making some of those things very clear so that the company that you're talking with that would be doing the capture can determine, do they have the right tool to do it or how they would approach it? You know, Because there's different ways we approach projects depending on what it's being used for. Let's talk about the output, right? Because now you've selected the right tool for the job. You've done the field work, right? Now we're going back to the office. So point cloud, that's one term that gets thrown around as an output of some reality capture process, right? I'm sure there's more, but could you expand a little bit on those kind of deliverables after the field work's already been completed? Most laser scanners are using a laser to measure and it's measuring at a super high speed rate. So most terrestrial laser scanners that sit on a tripod, they have a mirror that's spinning and they're measuring about a million points per second. So those points that are being measured, it's recording the XYZ location of those. And so the point cloud that you hear about is millions of points that are measured based on you know what it captured in the field. And for people that are listening that maybe haven't seen a point cloud before, it really looks super realistic. If you set up a scanner in the middle of this room that I'm in, it's going to scan and it's gonna measure the tabletop and it's gonna measure what's on the wall and it's gonna pick up in between all these little, you know, sound foam and it's gonna pick up the light switch location and the because when it's measuring at a million measurements per second and it's slowly spinning through the room, it's hitting and measuring every single little object. And the higher end scanners, the accuracy are like a millimeter of a precision from the point, you know, the location of the scanner. So it picks up very small deviations. The lower accuracy units maybe won't show quite as much detail. They might be a little less than that, but overall it's capturing a massive amount of data. And that's what the point cloud is, is all of those initial points that have been measured in the scanning process. And then a lot of design softwares are starting to integrate those point clouds now. So, you know, the Autodesk suite is a common one. People are using Revit or Civil 3D and you can bring the point cloud from most scanners into their recap software and bring a point cloud right into your design software. You can take that point cloud and slice through and measure walls or do elevation uh, across the floor. There's a lot of use cases of the point cloud directly, but most often clients aren't using the point cloud directly. They ask for you to create some type of deliverable for them. You know, they're used to CAD drawings or they're used to Revit models. So they often ask for a model to be created. And the value of the scan in the, is that it's super accurate. So we use that point cloud to go in and slice and, and place our walls to. So now the Revit model we created isn't based on old historic drawings that may not be accurate. They're actually based on what was measured now. And so your elements are in the proper location for you to use. 
there's also going to be differences right in that field collected data through use of reality capture and the expectation of deliverables in AEC, right? One example that I find myself seeing a lot is right, just plumbness of walls, right? Yeah. Through a laser scan, the point cloud may say, hey, this wall is, you know, sloping at 32nd of an inch, right, off straight. But that may not be what, say, like an architect wants to see, right? Yeah. And that's a great point to bring up. And it's one of the things that's very cool about laser scanning is that it's so detailed. It's going to tell you if the wall is sloped at all or not, or it's going to show you the deviations because nothing's built perfect or things settle over time. Or what's amazing is people who have never seen laser scanning, they kind of think that everything is going to be perfectly straight there. You know, we've seen projects where we go out and there's all these steel beams right in this big warehouse and without scanning, some people think, oh, there's no way those are going to be perfectly on this grid line. Well, when you scan them and you bring them in a drawing and you put that grid line in place, you'll see that there's a column to the left an inch, there's a column to the right an inch. There, Nothing is perfect in the built world. And the beauty of the laser scanning is that it's accurate enough to show you that if you want it. So your example of the wall plumbness, what if you're investigating if the wall has issues? You know, what if you're doing a structural investigation or you need to see how much it's leaning and you need to monitor that over the next six months. You can see if it changes. It's accurate enough. You could go to that level of detail. Yet, like you said, maybe architects are like, look, we don't want to see these walls all in different angles. We just want the best fit 90 degree built model. The beauty is that you can pick which way you want it and you can do it either way, depending on what the use case is and and what that end user really needs. Again, it's all about what's the client need, education, and just understanding kind of the best tool or methodology for the job, right? Because, and I can think of, you know, a million examples from my little niche of, hey, we want to monitor this or we want to do an investigation, right? Where laser scanning could be really useful, but just maybe pulling out a tape, right? Just isn't enough due to the level of detail that's needed. But uh, let's also talk a little bit about kind of the intersection of, what you're doing with RCN and your business, right? So in AEC, there's a almost like a, a lot of secrecy or kind of hush-hushness about, you know, means and methods. Hey, what are we doing, right? Process and procedure, right? But you're fairly open to just educating everyone about the tools and, and tips of the trade, right? Where do you see that kind of model of, I'm just here to educate going? Do you see that being more common in AEC or how is it changing over time? The reason that over the years I've shifted to, I want everybody to do really good. I want my competitors to good is that again, we look at all these new technologies and this has been my only focus the last 12 years is laser scanners and drones and point clouds and the application in projects and, and how to keep them accurate. Well, I've gone through things the hard way in the beginning because there was nobody there teaching me how to do it properly either. And I see that there's a massive growth of companies just now getting into these technologies. And we very often get calls from people who had a project done and it was done wrong. We have people that are buying the first scanner they get or the cheapest scanner because it's the cheapest one and they want to get their foot in the door. And then they take on a big job and they don't control it properly and the data's inaccurate. And so 
my reason for wanting to be so open and train and, and give advice and help people do things right is because it helps the whole industry. There are many, many companies who in the past tried laser scanning on a job and it wasn't done well and it, it hurt the project and now they don't want to do scanning. And the more that we can use these tools properly and come out with accurate results, it helps everybody. It helps the client. They're happy with the, the quality of the project. It helped it, you know, they saved money. It helped that person that was doing the scanning because they did it right and the client's happy and they want to do more work. And it doesn't put negativity into the adoption of tools. So I really feel that this environment of creating training materials and sharing best practices is going to end up helping everybody in the case that it, it increases the overall adoption of all these technologies and it and it helps people be willing to be innovative and, and try new things. So that's kind of the reason that I've put some of my focus toward educating and helping is that I honestly still today, I get calls on a either weekly or every other week of new projects that are companies who went out and scanned and can't figure out how to register the data well, or they did something wrong. And, and I'm just like, look, I'd rather help people now up front learn how to do it good instead of helping them after the fact when they have a headache and the, you know the data's got issues. So that's why I'm kind of putting a, a personal focus there. That's great because it's like this concept of you know, a rising tide raises all ships. We're all in this together. And to draw up, you know, an example from the inspection industry, right? If these laws, you know, we saw with um, the couple in Miami due to the, the issues with the Surfside Tower, right? If these inspection laws are passed, right? Mandating inspection of, you know, so many structures at so many intervals, there's just not enough people to do the work. But if we can teach each other how to be more efficient and how to do more with basically the same amount, or as we talked about earlier, right, a dwindling amount of resources kind of in our industry, it benefits everybody because there is just way too much work to go around right now. And we're really doing a disservice to the industry owners and, and everybody involved by not helping each other out. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that as well. I've seen a lot of use cases where there's large organizations that have hundreds or thousands of projects. And if they decide that they see the ROI and want to adopt laser scanning on a thousand projects, show me one service provider that can help them. Nope. <laughs> That's one company. And I know dozens of them that have that many projects. And so this idea of training people, getting more people into the industry, we have to do that if we actually want to be able to service this type of work over the next five, 10 years as it does become the normal. And the other thing is when you look at construction jobs today, most of them, even the ones that are implementing laser scanning are using it for one use case out of the 10 use cases. They use it to go out and scan the building before a renovation. Well, then there's certain companies that have figured out, okay, it's actually also valuable for us to go scan in the middle of construction and compare it back to the design model to confirm that things are being built properly. Okay, now let's go back and scan it at the very end of the job to create a final as-built. So now there really is a true as-built of the project. So there's these use cases where you could take one project and you could be scanning it at the beginning. You could be scanning it every month for the next three months throughout construction. And you could be scanning it at the end. You could be, 
So I also think that as we help more people do this work well and we increase the awareness and more people are adopting the technologies, it's not that it's going to become super competitive. It's going to be that it allows us to actually meet all those use cases now because there's somebody near the project and they're close enough that the travel is reduced and we can now do all of those phases of implementing the technology instead of just the one because it's a company traveling across the country and it takes too much work. And so I think as we build the industry, it's going to increase the adoption and the use cases and make it easier. This is a great example of the use of technology creating more opportunity than it's taking away. Because you could have someone argue, well, I was hired all day to just go measure and do as-builds, right? But based on what you said, just educating the industry on how to use these tools properly could create even more opportunity for these companies, individuals. Do you have any examples to share kind of of how technology is actually creating and not taking away opportunity? That's a good question. I'd have to think about a specific scenario, but... I very much believe that that is true, that there is that concern of these technologies are going to take away jobs, but I truly do see it as it's really not. It's allowing, if we take it back a step, when we even look at like robotics, you know, people are saying, man, that's going to, we're going to take away cashiers because we're creating this checkout process where we just go pay for it ourselves. What it ultimately lets us do is it lets us shift the people that can be innovative and we have more time to think about better things to work on. If we can improve certain processes, it doesn't just take away that job, it shifts us to do something else, uh, do more jobs, do jobs better. I guess I'll use surveying as an example. You know, we are a survey company. We are the guys with GPS that are going out there taking single shot measurements. Well, we don't look at drones and say, oh my gosh, that's going to replace us because we're surveyors and it maps faster. No, we go, man, how can we use that to speed up how fast we survey so we can do more projects? We can come back and do the monitoring because we flew it the first day. Now we're laser scanning the interior. We don't ever look at these tools as they're going to replace us. We just look at how we can use them to improve the overall process. And again, if we look at that idea of, hey, we have a client who wants to do a thousand projects across the country. It'd be impossible to do those with tape measures. How can we use technology to allow us to help more companies and more industries adopt these tools? Yes, there are certain roles that get replaced by technology, but it creates more. It creates different opportunities. So it does shift them. But I think overall, It helps society, it helps people, it helps the businesses who are hiring and building in the first place because it saves them money in certain areas. So now they can build more and now they need you for, (laughs) so it's kind of this just vicious cycle of like, you can't stop it. So you might as well get on and be a part of it. We like to refer to it as kind of like the similarities in like an engineering to like the hierarchy, right? Of medicine, right? Where Medicine as an industry has pushed certain responsibilities down from a doctor to a nurse practitioner, right? To a nurse down the line to techs. And I say down, but really all of those people are very skilled and valuable kind of in their own ways or positions, right? But what you're doing is you're allowing each individual to work to their highest level of competency and not bogging them down with tasks that don't need to be done at that level of skill. And 
in each kind of segment down the line, some of those responsibilities aren't going down. They're being pushed out. So then there's either less to do or somebody can focus on tasks that better fit the, their skill set. And I think that's where ultimately AEC needs to go because there's just not enough people to keep kind of running the machine as it has been. And we've seen over the past three years with COVID and everything, how that's really rung true and the work isn't slowing down anytime as, as I'm sure you've seen. Yeah. Across the board, when I talk with companies all over the country and from different industries and different roles, everybody's very busy. Everybody's looking to hire. And especially I talk to a lot of people specifically that are kind of in this realm of like trying to build laser scanning divisions or they're growing their BIM team or they're within all of these technologies. Everybody's trying to hire and nobody can find enough people to hire that know how to do any of this, which is why I try to talk about it so much and, and try to raise this awareness of like, look, laser scanning, drones, BIM, Revit, <laughs> scanning, I mean, all of this stuff is so needed by so many industries. And we're, even in our conversation today, we've very much, you know, kind of talking about the construction realm, right? Well, there's this much complexity and need for all of these technologies also in forensics and in archeology span and historic preservation and movie sets and entertainment. And I mean, the use cases of all these technologies, this idea of digitizing assets and real world environments and bringing them into virtual realms, whether design software or media software or and creating immersive experiences, that whole package right there across all industries is going to be growing a lot over the next 10 years. It just screams opportunity and which is just a fantastic thing to hear. But, you know, today, so we talked about reality capture at a high level, kind of went down the nitty gritty on a couple of examples, right? And tried to throw in some things for our audience to take away, specifically relating to RC. What final piece of advice would you give to the audience kind of regarding the topics that we've talked about today? A lot of times when it comes to new technologies or innovation, people are hesitant they're afraid or they think that it's going to be way too expensive or they're afraid of failure if they try to get started with something new. I think the main thing I would say is be willing to try it. Be willing to try new things, try new technologies. If you aren't yet using laser scanners, you aren't yet using drones, you haven't seen a point cloud, take the time to at least look into it or try it on a project. And the reason is the people that I've seen do that over the years, you get this brand new architect or this brand new engineer that has never seen it before and, and you get them to try it on a job. They're in love with it. Why? Because it really is an amazing technology that is improving their processes. We had a building here locally that this architect had gone to four or five times because they have to keep going and measuring different things. They forgot to measure this window. They got to go in the basement and measure this height and they take in different pictures. And by scanning that building and they have the, everything they want to measure at their fingertips on their computer and images to look through the whole thing, does that replace them having to go out with a tape measure? Yes. Do they want to keep going back out with a tape measure over and over and over? No. It lets them sit and work on the things that they want to work on that's their expertise. So when you're willing to try something new and you kind of adopt that idea of what can this innovation do for our business, 
I really think that people who take that step and are willing to try it will see that it improves processes, it improves workflow, it improves efficiency, it lets them do more. So really, I think it's just that, adopting the mindset of innovation. It's interesting because just based on our conversation today, right, I think we both got our start in this field of, let's just say, construction technology in general, right? By just trying and doing. Like I had a great mentor. He gave me a drone one day, told me to go get my license, right? And then off to the races. So where can people find you, whether it be on social, email, website, right, to help continue their education on all things reality capture? Really, the place that I live and breathe uh, would be LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is one place, but second would be realitycapturenetwork.com. And really, that is something that we see expanding a lot over the coming years with the education center that we're building out. Our goal is really that people will be able to visit that education center and find information on any of this, on laser scanners, on drones, on use cases. So the two of those would be the best place. We give this offering kind of at the end of our episodes to the audience, right? Like Matthew's here to help. I'm here to help. EMI is here to help, right? So if you have any questions kind of about what you've seen today, don't hesitate to reach out, right? Because the more help you kind of seek and try to figure things out, the easier things will become regarding all things AEC tech. But Matthew, great to have you on. And just thank you again for everything you've shared with us today. I really appreciate it. And I I definitely agree with what you said. Being open to learning from others. That's one of the things that I'm trying to see push now is 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of people to ask questions to when it came to construction technology. Now it's like, look, if you guys are a company that are getting started, try to fast forward by collaborating with people who've been doing it for a while or ask those questions. And thanks again, Nick, for uh, sharing with your audience and, and continuing to help push forward as well. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at aectechpodcast.com. There, you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you all the best in all of your engineering and technology endeavors.